1: And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast.
2: Welcome back. I'm excited for today's episode, mostly because I get to have a friend on, but she's such an incredible human, and I'm really excited for you to get to know her a little bit more. You've maybe seen me share some of her work online in the past. I've received some really incredible things from her, some treasures from her small shop, but she is such an amazing creator. She shares her story so authentically, and she's very honest about her experiences. And so I'm excited to bring her on. And we're going to break this up into a few different facets of conversation because there are so many beautiful layers to Taylor Patrick. Please welcome her to the show. Okay, Taylor, welcome. But before we get going, I just got a message from somebody who was like, thank you so much for sharing. I shared your video. They were like, this is exactly what I needed to see and hear today. I'm like going through stuff. And I was like, oh my gosh, I literally read, read that. And then I get to open my computer screen and see you. So thank you from that, that person. A lot of joy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, person. I think that's what's so special about you is that you do you, you share such joy, but you also share the struggles that you've had. You have been so honest about your experiences through things that I think it's really refreshing for a lot of people, especially when they just are looking to be seen in their own experiences. So before we get truly going, and just so everyone knows, like this is our second attempt. At, we had some technical difficulties on the first, and like times two technical difficulties. The recording was flubbed, and then my SD card Ooh. literally short. Yeah, it was a whole thing. I can't. And the thing is, I was like, you know what? This wasn't meant to be. Like two things happening within a single recording. We're gonna re-record. What's fascinating about this? And I would love for you to sort of like where you were when we
0: recorded at the end of last year year. to where you are now. Big shift. Like even where I was last year when we recorded, like I was in a better place and I was, I would say I was in a decent place. I was on the rise Mm. to like good things. And I was mentally, you know, there and seeing the light at the end of the tunnel and just being shocked at where I was even then. But now I'm even more shocked, you know, like Work is going well. My business is going great. As you know, because you're in my close friends and our close friends bubbles are a fun time of funniness together, (laughs) you know, I'm in a relationship that I've been slowly like dropping into my story a little bit, but also like protecting that little bubble um, with someone that I've been really good friends with for a long time. So I'm a lot, a lot happier these days and just more balanced. Not gonna say it's just because there's someone in my life, but I mean, There's always a great woman making your life better. So here I am.
2: And what I will say in sort of memory of last year, Mm. you were going through a breakup and really finding your footing again after a five year, was it five years, right? Of a relationship and Mm -hmm. really just like, I'm going to get, you were so seeking your independence. Your content was around just like going out again Finding yourself. Yep. So to sit here even within a six month span later and be like, look how surprising things have been. Have you you said like it has sort of been a surprise on this like rise? Have you really gotten an opportunity to digest it or trust it, especially after being five years with one person and now being in a new relationship with
0: another woman? You know, I I like ask myself that a lot and even in my last therapy session, I like wrote myself a little note about the relationship and uh, like literally my therapist just asked a question and my fingers started hurting. Cause I, you know, I am a pen paper girl. So I was like, let me be smart using the note. So I said, like the fun part is I was able to open my heart again and trusted like one, it was really great that this person wasn't, you know, a good friend. And two, it was really scary at first, but I, I haven't heard that. I decided not to sit and remind myself that I should be scared. You know, mm-hmm. there's that new relationship, even in general, whether you're not coming out of a breakup or it's just something so new, you're so terrified of being vulnerable or with being vulnerable with someone else. And knowing you've seen the worst of what could happen in a relationship, it's just like, oh, God, this is definitely, you know, it's easy to think like, oh, I can't trust it. Things went so badly last time. But then like one day, just after i even thinking that hard, I was just like, OK, but what if you do? Mm. And that was literally like the last time I thought it, I was like, what if you just trust it? And what if you Mm -hmm. just go with it? Because I feel like if you sit and think about like, oh my goodness, this is so scary, you're reminding yourself that there should be a fear there. Like, you know how with kids, you see them growing up and they have zero fear of like bugs or just anything that they have not, you know, been kind of exposed to knowing they should be scared of and they're just existing, you know, but like once they know that thing, they feel like they, you know, their body's kind of like conditioning and think they should like be on repeat with being scared. Like when they fall, And parents learn if you just kind of laugh it off, they're like, oh, OK, whatever, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so instead of sitting in it. So that's kind of the mind, not even kind of that. That's definitely the mindset I took on with the mm-hmm. relationship. Like I said, it helped a lot having a friendship beforehand and just knowing each other on that level. But, you know, when you cross over into the relationship side, you know, it can get a little Little weird, and the communication will you know stay great, but it can be a little rockier in a sense mm-hmm. because now you know so much about each other. So you know certain things in the relationship, you're like, I remember when you told me about that person. You know, this yeah. guy did you <laughs> oh, know X, Y, Z, did a little dirty. So you know, that. yeah, so stuff like that. But then it's also like, okay, because I know the type of person you are. Like as a friend, it, it it's been great there. So it's it was scary. I won't mm-hmm. say it is scary because I don't know, like I'm not even thinking that we're in like that honeymoon phase. Like. We're in a good place. It's honeymoon ish. And like, yes, we enjoy each other's time, but it just feels so natural mm-hmm. and good. And it's just flowing like all of my best friends. Um, one of my best friends who was my college roommate, she literally just last night we were on FaceTime. And she was like, I say this all the time now that you're with her. She was like, but the tone of your voice And just like how you look, she's like, I don't know if you can hear your own tone. And I was like, I don't I don't think so. And she was like, it just sounds so different. She's like, even when you were, you know, happy in your last relationship, I could just tell you were just in survival mode, just powering through doing what needs to be done. She's like, you literally just seem so happy and genuine Mm -hmm. and trusted. And my friends are, you know, like not picky for me, but like, you know, I've I've dated over the last year and they're like, "Mm, no one works. But this person instantly just meshed with them you know, not coming from their friend circle, but mine. And it's just been really good. So I've heard before that starting
2: a relationship with somebody that you already have a friendship with and then going into romance that you really do skip past a lot of the get to know you stuff. So it really does condense a lot of the relationship into Mm -hmm. a new experience. And sometimes uh, like it's hard to be I don't know. I was reading this somebody's post about it once, how they were like, I understand this seems like we're suddenly in a very serious relationship. But the reality Mm -hmm. is we've been in relationship, just not romantically. So we brought all of that experience into this now. But I would love to hear, just because you and I had a lot of like private conversations we're not going to bring up, but a lot of private conversations through your breakup. Mm -hmm. And I I will agree with your friends even in just like your tone and approach and joy is like definitely elevated now for sure. But I would love to know, like, what would you go back and say to that person a year ago, six months ago that you now are sitting in the reality of? Because I know a lot of people, I'll let you think on that as I sort of share Mm -hmm. a thought. A lot of people get really stuck in the decision to end something. It Mm -hmm. can take years. And I think that's why it can be so catastrophic for – friend groups to really comprehend what one individual has been dealing with privately when it becomes public. But a lot of that holdback is so fear-based. Like you said, it's almost like a child that loves a bee until it knows it stings. And so you, you exist with this what if, what if, what if. And the what if is always so full of bad things and not a lot of what if all of this is possible. So, but knowing where works. you were a year ago when you were like, I have to figure out a living situation. I have to figure out losing friends. I have to figure out things being said about me that are not true. I have to figure out a lot of really s- stuff that most of us spend a lot of our lives avoiding. And yeah. you faced it head on. I would love to hear what you would
0: say to that person. Honestly, that's another thing from that therapy note. You know, I. I lost a lot from my last breakup. I don't know if this is exactly, you know, not exactly what I'd say to them. Obviously we know that, Mm but like I've told you, I was like, I think I lost pretty much all of our mutual friends, you know, from that relationship who didn't know what I was going through silently, you know, and to them, it just looked like, Oh, whatever you gave up. You just didn't care. You know, no idea that I, again, was in a survival mode. Like my best Mm -hmm. friends knew. Mm -hmm. And thankfully I have that. So I think for me, I honestly hope that person knows I forgive them for so much. Like, they, at one point, it seemed like they were on a chaos tour to just kind of like if I even had a shimmer or like glimpse of like joy outside of them or moving on with life, they just kind of would find any way to like pop back in and be negative or just mm-hmm. stir something mm-hmm. up. And I honestly am just like, you know what? Like I forgive them and also like thank them so much because if I wouldn't have just bitten the bullet or ripped band off whatever and kind of gone through such an uncomfortable period and and just, you know, like rattle or be like, never mind, never mind, we can make it work. You know, I think it took them finally showing me like just the most outrageous kind of side of things in themselves to really push me out of that comfort zone. Like, you know, they're always like, you got to be uncomfortable, you know, for a while. And I was, you know, like it was sad losing friends and losing people. And like you said, things being said, you know, especially when you know your own truth, but you just kind of want to retreat and protect yourself. But I learned a long time ago, like, I can't hold it. It's just not good for me to hold on to things. And mm-hmm. I have spent so much time in life like festering on things. and I think also, like with the autism diagnosis, it kind of helped me like realize a lot of things were easier for me to move on in the relationship because I was like it wasn't me. you know, i I was told a lot in that relationship, like I'm a robot. like the things that I do don't make sense. Like just so much of me yeah. wasn't understood by that person. And since my diagnosis, I look back and I'm like, I'm so. Glad that it didn't work because now I have this person who is overly like sensitive to the diagnosis and just like you know having with her career field just having patients like on the spectrum of always and just understanding more you know so mm-hmm. I genuinely forgive that person I forgive the people you know that had the negativity and I honestly even reached out to them I have heard back from none but you know I reached out to some and was just like genuinely I forgive you you know. You had no idea during that time that I was going through this, but you know, Mm -hmm. I, especially like with my diagnosis, I'm like, you know, I learned a lot about myself and maybe I didn't handle it the best way, or maybe it seemed like I retreat, but I was like, you know, I am autistic and I've learned this about myself and just so many things that I can look back Mm -hmm. and see what went on, but you know, radio silence and I'm okay with that. Like I don't choose to hold on to it. You know, even if I didn't say my piece, I would have felt okay knowing that I powered through what I needed to who's there in the end, you know, still there, still showing up is what matters. Like Mm -hmm. I've gotten a great glimpse at my circle support system, you know, the people that I genuinely like hold on to and trust. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm, I'm really picky about who I trust. Like even with the close friends, like even though I just feel like silly stuff on there, it's just like people that I genuinely know are looking at it and not judging and just look at it, giggle, keep it moving, say something sweet, keep it moving or laugh, done. Yeah. So I just, I show up a lot differently lately. I am not thinking twice about what someone has to say. Like, I just don't feel that pressure and like that constant need to mask who I am and all this stuff like there, you know, obviously with autism, there's still some masking here and there and I'm just weird, whatever. But you know, I don't, I don't have it even in my own relationship. Like there's so much now. And you had a really good point. We didn't have to spend that getting to know each other time where there are moments where I'm about to like do something. I'm like, let me be shy about it. I'm like, no, I can't be. Yeah, so you know, so it's just <laughs> no more masking. Yeah, none of that. So it's so easy, and it's like it's weird. It's not scary. It is mm-hmm. weird, but it, it's just so interesting to realize how long I'd sat in chaos and had gotten used to it. That it, yeah. life was starting to not feel balanced with that chaos, and oh, you know, now there are parts yeah. of my brain that's quiet, and I'm like, is this okay? <laughs> you know, like it, <laughs> is peace good? Yeah, yeah really. like my brain's quiet. I'm like, what? So. I had somebody
2: once tell me that after going through my divorce, that they were mm-hmm. like, you have lived through like tumultuous times. Mm-hmm. You're going to, you're going to have a hard time coming down from drama. And I remember oh. being so angry that that person said that. Cause I was like, No, all I want is calm in my life. All I want is like peace in my life. And then I remember when I started dating Shane and things Mm -hmm. were like actually healthy and consistent and good and like we were in a good place, I started picking fights. And I remembered this person saying to me, You're going to miss the drama. And they Mm -hmm. don't mean it like you're going to miss it, but it will be so part of your experience and relationships that you might be the one to bring it after you sought so much peace. And recognizing that over time, I mean, it's, ha- it's hard getting into that next relationship after, especially when you're figuring out that piece. But mm-hmm. having somebody who really seems very supportive of you, especially with, and let's talk about this, your new diagnosis of autism. Now, I have read a lot of studies that say women especially are getting really late diagnosis in life when it comes to autism. What made you seek it out in the first place? And what has been your sort of reaction to learn relearning a lot about yourself and sort of looking
0: back on it? So the initial diagnosis itself, and, and I, can we also just talk about how I've played with this light like 45 times? Yeah. <laughs> spectrum things just little tizzy moments for the slightest extra peak of light I'm like mm. yeah <laughs> but um I've always always just kind of noticed something was a, a not even a little a lot different about me you know I was able to show up in the world masking but because I and I hate this and I hate when people tell me oh you don't look autistic or you know they make it such more of an invisible thing to me and they're like, oh, you seem like you're doing, you know, so great. You like, you must be fine. It's like, you know, I've had a lot of that diminished. And even like with the rise of mental health being talked about online, you know, like mental health is something I talk about heavily. You know, especially with PMDD and ADHD and OCD, like things that I'm I'm very much diagnosed with. And even with those, I never felt like it was enough. You know, mm. like I had gotten those diagnoses, but I would think back to like the things with me growing up. And again, it's a, it's a spectrum thing. So yes, I know as a as a child I had. And it's, of course, way beyond social anxiety and sensory and texture. But as a child, I remember like my earliest memory of social anxiety that went beyond social anxiety was at a birthday party. And I talked about this on a post on my page and on my friend's podcast a couple of years back. I was like seven-ish years old. My mom's friend's son had a birthday party. You know, I only knew the son. We went and there were just so many kids that I didn't recognize. And a lot of adults were used to me being bubbly because I would—I was the type of person, I was so scared a lot of times that I would just show up and be like, hi, I'm Taylor. And just, mm. I would come off as this bubbly child, but I was just trying to get it out of the way. So, yeah. you know, it could come off like, okay, I did my job, move on. So I remember sitting in this chair and like I spotted, his name was Jared, the son. I was like, I, I saw Jared. And I was like, yay, you know, little friend. But then like his friends came and then he like went off to them to like hang for a bit and I was supposed to follow, but I couldn't. I literally, mm. do you remember those little like chairs in elementary school, they're like the Crayola chairs. They're plastic. Yes. And kind of yes. like thin to fit your butt. Yep. I just holding on, just sat there for hours at the party to where I was coming off as like a kid with a bad attitude who didn't want to hang out with the kids. Like my mom would come by and be like, get up and go play. And I just kind of ignore her. And, you know, as a kid that's coming off is you're ignoring your mom, bad attitude, spiteful. And like other adults try to like, you know engage with me and i would kind of ignore them and yeah. i just remember so badly wanting to get up and join those kids like with everything in me but it was paralyzing like i mm. may as well have just been strapped into the chair like i yeah. remember that being my earliest experience and not knowing how to explain to my mom that it's something just shut off in me like my body the like inside i like and even to this day there are things that are happening inside that i wish would come out and they don't like it it just it's like it gets to the surface and it just disappears and then it mm. it kind of manifests itself in fear and anxiety. And, you know, I've always had that. So that's been a lot of, I've done a lot of things to kind of like hide from social events or while I'm there, things that I'm just too scared to do or like walk by people or mentally prepare myself You know, I've always been a picky eater. I've always had such bad texture issues with my food, you know, and that's another thing written off as, oh my goodness, like annoying child. But I would panic sometimes with a lot of things in my food and, you know, and freak out with certain textures and things touching me and sounds. And even as a child, you know, kids like love loud TV and cartoons. I couldn't listen to the volume over like three or four. I would have a meltdown, like cousins, siblings, whoever would pop up and like be loud, turn the TV on. I'd panic a little. But I was around them so much in life that and gotten picked on, you know, in the loving family way that Mm -hmm. I got used to just pretending like it wasn't a problem. But I would go retreat a lot of times. And I've just been kind of doing that my entire life. And, you know, I've never like I'm and the funny thing is it's a spectrum. So I'm pretty sarcastic outwardly, but there's a lot of stuff that I don't catch from people or, you know, a lot of social cues that I'm not always reading properly. So, you know, even best example, like within the breakup, like the people who were kind of like turning on me in the midst of it. I wasn't Mm. catching a lot of like digs or, you know, ways they were acting. I just was so used to just showing up and just going with the flow that, you know, I didn't, I wasn't able to really process that until I look back and being like, Mm. okay, that's a social cue I missed because a lot of the providers and specialists that I've been working with, you know, have asked about details in certain traumatic situations and big events. And if I can remember, you know, things people have said or done and they're like, oh, that's a social cue. I'm like, oh, I would have missed it completely. You know, I just awkwardly laughed it off and just pretended that I heard it, you know, just to show up. And I hate, like I said earlier, I hate that it's such an invisible thing, especially because I don't look like I fit the mold. You know what Mm. I mean? On top of not fitting the mold, I'm black on top of it. So it's, you know, a lot of the things that I grew up struggling with. So many people were like, oh, strong kid, strong black woman, you know, black kids can take on more like all this stuff. And then in certain communities, mental health is not paid attention Mm -hmm. to it seriously. And I am genuinely not mad at anybody in my family who missed it growing up because, you know, like I grew up in the nineties, first of all, so like no big excuse, but different times. Um, so I'm really glad that things are talked about now, but there's just so much in my life that I can look back on and be like, wow, that explains everything. Like so much was missed, like sleepovers that were hard for me and events that I, I would lie to so many people growing up and say, my mom told me I couldn't go like pure fear sleepovers. I'd always be like, Sorry, I made a C. I made an A. I'm like, I made a C. My mom says I gotta stay in and study, and I would just stay in my room under blankets, but show up like on Monday at school like carefree, mask because you know I had cousins and siblings who wouldn't let me do certain things in public, so I got used to okay, that's what I'm supposed to pretend to be like essentially, yeah. and. You know, so now with the diagnosis, it was the mesh of feelings. Um, Yeah, I'm sure. Because between the stigma and being empowered by the information, right? Mm -hmm. And sort of
2: understanding uh, a lot of pieces. I'll be honest, I I met somebody once who I remember just in real life, we were having like some really awkward Mm -hmm. interactions. She came off as rude, what I had called poor bedside manners. And I was just so taken aback by like, why. No, <laughs> not you. <laughs> but I, I, later she was diagnosed with autism or being on the spectrum. And I was like, wow, I'm so undereducated when it comes to the symptoms of this. Because I immediately reacted by she was rude. She had poor bedside manners. Thankfully, I kept these thoughts to myself, but it did change. Yeah, like right? In that time, yeah. I was really like, wow, this isn't what I was expecting of this person. That, that's not uh-huh. who I thought they were in the way that they're – tone was and just, just seemed, it honestly just came off rude. And then when I, I ended up doing a podcast with somebody who is called the spectrum girl and she was somebody who was a late Aww. diagnosis and she shared a lot with me I about what, um, masking was like. And she shared, uh, if you want to go back and listen to that episode, it's all about autism for anybody listening. I do.
0: I like, yeah. and I
2: listen
0: to pretty much all your
2: episodes. Like, yeah. This one was a couple years cool. ago though. It yeah, was so a I'm couple like, years ago. Her name, is Char- Her name is Charlotte and Charlotte. she's the, the spectrum girl. Sorry. Yeah. But I remember after, like, finding that my friend was diagnosed with being on the spectrum, I really, like, had to sit myself down with, like, you have no idea what adult autism looks like because you've only ever known the stigmatized version of autism, the one that you're made to be terrified of, the one that people are constantly, you know... The nonverbal,
0: the quote-unquote tantrum people, the ones who, you know... Which isn't necessarily
2: inherently bad either. It is different, but it is... It was... In a lot of ways, watching people go through the fear and parenthood of of that, and now we have a lot more. i I don't think that there is I don't know actually what I think. I don't know if there's more cases of autism or more mm-hmm. diagnosis of autism because I believe that we probably grew up with a lot of people that we thought were maybe rude or maybe Mm -hmm. awkward or maybe socially, you know, we set all these different terms. And reality was, I was a kid of the 80s, your kid of the 90s. We didn't have these diagnoses and and terminology. Absolutely. But I, since then, I've learned so much about people who are on the spectrum that now it's not to say that rude people don't exist, but give people the benefit of the doubt. If they're a little bit different socially than you, there's a good chance, or there's a possibility at least, that they are, whether diagnosed or not, and it's not something that you need to disclose. But for you, how did you find that your friends really took on your diagnosis as well? Do you think that people have, because you do share about it, and I love it because you've shared little tidbits on your social, even like your stories. I'll be watching your stories and you'll be like, oh, autism thing. And I was like, no way, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. A lot of what you share really Digest it for the, somebody looking from the outward, looking in really trying to understand you've really brought a lot of understanding and awareness. So you do seem really empowered by it, but what were your feelings around it and
0: how did your friends react? My initial feelings, relief was a big one, but there was a lot of frustration and sadness. The, the fear of the stigma lasted maybe just really quickly and passed mm-hmm. over, but I had so many aha moments. I felt like so many questions were answered. I was very frustrated when I thought of a lot of situations that, you know, there could have been more support or understanding for me. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a lot of sadness just looking back on so many things that were lost in life, like so much fear. Like even when I look back to undergrad, when I was too scared to go to the UC every day, like I was, you know, cool with everybody, but I just had this it was something that if there was just anything going on differently within the UC or, or I forget you're a Canadian. So you guys, so our like university center, like the cafeteria yeah, yeah, yeah. and all the hangout. Oh, okay, perfect. We have the same um, one. Okay, great. So yeah, going through there, if there were just like little events or something off, I just would avoid it for the entire day. Like my whole route would be thrown off. I didn't know how to handle it. And it was just too loud. Like you walk in, it's just a wave of voices. And I remember avoiding that almost daily in undergrad, Mm. just out of pure fear. But my friends are amazing. Actually, I have notes on it because when I got my diagnosis, I knew for a few weeks before I told them about it, Mm -hmm. just to like sit with myself and process a lot of things. And it meant a lot to me in answering a lot of breakup questions as well. Not breakup questions, relationship questions. You know, like, as I said, this is so cute, right? (laughs) (laughs) As I said, you know, I was told many a time over the years, during disagreements or arguments, like you're just a robot, you have no emotions, you don't feel it. And I would I found so many like things I've written down or like letters that I just like write or text to that person where I'd say, hey, this is what I'm feeling on the inside. I'm like, I have no I would literally say, I have no idea why it won't come out. I'm like, I am trying my best. I was like, I would scream it if I could. I was like, but for some reason my brain won't put it out there. And it it's a thing that like happens with people on the spectrum. You know, there's all these emotions, but we just our brain isn't doing what neurotypical brains are doing and, you know, like formulating those thoughts the same or able to formulate those thoughts plus the emotions that come with it. It's just too much. And it's funny because I'm an overly sensitive person. I show a lot of emotions to an extent, but I'm a very closed off person emotionally. You know, I show enough that people don't think I'm a sociopath and have none there. But also it's just like, I think you have to really know me like you do personally, like to know that I am this Like I think when people first meet me, they might get like sweet and bubbly, but I think it takes someone actually knowing me a little beyond, you know, posts here and there and like actually hearing from me Mm -hmm. in life to kind of know like there's a me in there that's full of like colorful life and thoughts and, you know, joy and feelings and sensitivity, but it just does not show up to the world like that. So when I, I don't even have to read those notes, actually, when I first was diagnosed um, and like I said, I I told my friends a few, um, some days, some weeks later but after I told them, not one of them had any questions like they had them, but not really, because one of my best friends since we were 13, her son and she's open about it. He's on the spectrum and he and I just always had an amazing connection. He's about to be four soon. Oh, wow! but, you know, like I noticed something with him when he was around like one or two. And so, like, I've just always been really big on like respect children, give them their space. But he was even more different about his space. And like he and I just had a special bond. And honestly he's the reason that I like got it looked into. I was like, if this, you know, brave little boy is about to go through his entire life, you know, thankfully with the answers and like artillery that he needs to power through, Mm -hmm. I was like, I, you know, I owe that like to little me to go show up and do the same. And it's just, I don't know, it's been amazing. But with the friends, you know, they had tiny questions, but also like they just had an immediate understanding. They were just like, you know, my friends are much like me. So I told them, they were like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's right. Like all of them are like, <laughs> got it, got it. So, and so to like make it, even though I knew they understood, but for me yeah. to just feel comfortable and make it like, I want it to be a serious thing. I know that they respect and honor it, but I didn't want it to be this extremely serious thing that they were scared that they might hurt me because I'm like, I mean, you guys know me this long. You've been saying this stuff to me. We, mm-hmm. you know, we respect mm-hmm. each other enough that, you know, like we know how to talk to each other, but I would, I was obnoxiously every chance I got would say don't do that to me I'm autistic like just making a joke of it like not in a bad way but enough to where eventually they'd be like Taylor shut up we know yeah, we get yeah it. you know yeah. so like or just like I'll do little things and they're like is that cool with you or is it not because you're autistic like they would like you know kind of like throw the sarcasm back at me like is that an- gonna be an issue because the autism just something where I know they love and respect me but yeah they want me to know that it's like something that they're so comfortable with that we can just laugh like they'll never hurt me about it they'll just and they even all have the, like, none of them are diagnosed, but they all have their own little things, you know, too, where I'm always mm-hmm. like, y'all not on the spectrum, you sure? Just like <laughs> messing with them. But yeah, yeah like, my support system has been really, really good. I mean, I've had a lot of, since the diagnosis, I've, since I've been a little more, not even a little more, but since the diagnosis, I've been more free to be less masked at all times. So I can kind of show more sides of myself that shows up on the spectrum. So now, especially with my girlfriend, she, she's seen a lot, like a few meltdowns so far, like in person, like just unbearable. I can't take any more meltdowns where I am just overloaded. And each one is different for me. Like generally I'm okay if I just block out sounds, go bury myself under something and like squeeze the crap out of my dog until he is over it. But you know, there are times where I actually need to like get out and move around without mm-hmm. sound. And there's just, there's just always something. And I think even like how you said, how is something else that I noticed? I noticed the biggest thing for me was the sensory over the years. Like Things that were sending me that people like I would notice myself getting annoyed and I would look around and people seem so unbothered like you yeah. know certain noise levels or the way things just sounded in general or just felt like I would panic like I would sometimes get in bed in my old relationship and if like the sheet was slightly crumpled just where my ankle was exposed or just like flip I would panic and like start kicking it and just doing the most trying to like flattened it out a little bit. So it was just always things like that where I was kind of making a big deal, mm-hmm. you know, but it just really, my body could just not process the comfort. Like yeah. I even with you know, like I'm a flight attendant. So even with that, I couldn't, I didn't, I had to wear the dress for my airline and I love wearing a dress because I hated the way the pants felt, okay. but I hated wearing pantyhose because as a child or stockings, tights, whatever, my mom would make me wear them to church. Shout out to my religious trauma. And I would literally go to the bathroom every five minutes. I would just lie in church and say I had to poop every two seconds because, you know, I had yeah. a sense of as a kid. Just to go in the bathroom, pull my tights down and scratch my legs because it felt I don't even know how to explain it. It just felt like, I don't know, bugs were on me when I had stuff. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, I just yeah, felt yeah. so uncomfortable and panicking always in church with it. And so, like, as an adult, I had to force myself. Like, I had to kind of do my own little exposure theory before I knew it was exposure theory. At the time to get used to being able to wear pantyhose and like how people swear by leggings, I couldn't wear leggings, literal leggings, until age twenty-five. Wow! I'd never worn them because they they felt like tights to me and they felt like that same sensation of stockings, and I just I refused. I couldn't do it. I panicked all the time. But yeah, these are things that people wouldn't know. Like I would just avoid it, you know, or just show up as normal or you know, mm-hmm. pretend to be away, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you know, it's it, every day. It's still, you know, of course, there's so many things beyond sensory, like I said, but every day it's, it's even down to the underwear I choose. I'll like look at my drawer and if it's like a certain fabric of the day, I'm like, I, I think about literally what I have to do that entire day, like the current weather. And I'm like, how will that feel on my skin? Like, these are things that I did not know that other people didn't think <laughs> really yeah. hard on in the mornings, but I like, yeah. I will make a literal conscious decision of what I need to feel on myself all through that day. So it's, it's really, yeah, it's it's a journey. (laughs) So now
2: when you, so you went on a trip to Disney, very new. I don't even think you all were actually dating yet.
0: Nope. We were, we were at that point where like the months leading up to that, we had like been dating other people and just, you know, like getting Mm -hmm. closer in life, like, and just talking about things. And I don't know when the switch kind of flipped where we both just kind of like, Hey, I think I like you.
2: Yeah. Weird.
0: You know? So, and And then then you all went to Disney together and I (laughs) I am
2: sitting here and you're sharing about the, like the sensitivity and lights and sounds. And I was just immediately brought back to your trip to Disney. And the fact that like, at one point I was like, Oh, are you at the parks right now? And you're like, no, I was overstimulated. We're like taking a beat and all that stuff. So how was being in a brand new relationship in a place like Disney autistic, knowing that about yourself, and then putting yourself in that scenario? How did you navigate that time? Because I think, and I'm asking too, I know you can't speak for anybody who's on the Mm -hmm. spectrum, but for people who are interested in going to Disney and really worried about what that might be like for them, how was your experience?
0: First, my experience was great, actually. Mm -hmm. It was really great. I I did have a a few moments of overwhelm and one good meltdown, but even before the trip, you know, again, as friends, she knew that, you know, the diagnosis about me. And I when she mentioned like I was going through a lot of stuff like legally with the last person and we finally got it all situated. And she's like, I think you just need a big kid trip. And mm-hmm. she was like suggested Disney. And I was like, OK, I love the idea of Disney. I was like, but Disney scares me because I'm not a big like I love the idea of concerts, but I just don't, you know, yeah, so fair I enough. can't. And she's kind of the same way. And so, you know, I knew I'd have her at least to like navigate the park. And she's like, 5'10 so and I'm to my one. so I just knew that I'd have like this protective wall but it helped a lot like how you gave me all the tips for like the lightning pass and just different things it helped me like map it out because I am very much I'm not the world's most obsessive planner but I do have to map things out so my brain is prepared for the what-ifs and mm-hmm. you know but I I looked into kind of like the accommodations but yeah I think they I do like have a DAS a of- pass yeah, yeah yeah and I like I that. misread a lot of things on it and it wasn't until a friend in Florida because at first I thought it would like take a while because everything I was seeing online seemed like I had to sign up do this whole process and then my friend in Florida she was like oh I had a friend I, I forget what impairment she was like yeah they just you can go up to the the booth the same day and just like let them know so um I did kind of do that but I I messaged them a lot in the chat because one of the lightning pet pa- or genie whatever what, what's the pass genie plus yeah genie that plus? one yeah yeah a lot of those that I would get in the morning one ride we ended up not doing because I was just like I can't like I just yeah. was stuck to I was in my little quiet place forget where we were but I just could not do it so I messaged and asked like the Disney cast members on the website is there a way to like switch my ride possibly and I explained the situation and they were really really sweet about it because I told them I was like I wasn't sure how like how to get the pass or like if there's a thing to do and they're like no you can actually just one just walk up to a cast member like while you're in line you know and explain to them and I also already had like a little thing that one of my providers gave me that kind of like has like the card that like you know kind of introduces yourself and gives them a moment to you know like process it with you but the Disney cast member was really sweet and like changed my ride and gave me an extra one like throughout the day so it just like was little things that like helped along the way uh so I did have one of the meltdown because there was I don't remember what we were sending a line for, but there was one where like one, not even kids. It was like this adult who just had no personal space. Like I know the lines are a little cramped, but Mm -hmm. this one was like talking so much. And every time she'd talk, she would like, she would laugh and like her hand would just rub my shoulder. I don't know. I just don't know if she had spatial awareness. And that just sent me, it was just like a, a bunch of things piling up. It just sent me into overdrive. And well, that was like the peak, but the tipping point of my meltdown was the teacup ride. Interesting. (laughs) Remember, I got that's so. I got sick on that ride. Like I got so sick. Yeah, because my girlfriend like did one turbo spin because you know she's a tall, tall, strong human being (laughs) does a turbo spin because she's like you got to do the teacups. It's like the signature ride. And I'm like, yeah, that's not bad. It's a cute little kid ride. No, absolutely not. We get on it, and she does like one just strong turn. It just sends the cup into overdrive, and like I'm nauseous. I'm confused. Like there's so many sounds at the time. Like I'm getting hot. And when I get hot, I've noticed too, I think that's a sensory thing. I panic. I freak out. Yeah. If I just get really hot, suddenly I stop everything I'm doing. I strip down if I can, but I can't strip there. Yeah. I'll go to prison. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, so like to avoid jail time, I just have to sit to myself and panic. So, yeah. um, you know, I get sick. I get nauseous. She like, gets my ginger ale, but like while she's gone away from me, I'm sitting there like kind of and by myself and like these noises just coming left and right. Like people are passing by. Things are happening like it. it Can't even explain it. Like, just everything piled on. And by the time she got back, I I was just like, we got to go. And I felt bad. But thankfully, she didn't make me feel bad about any of the things we had to miss. Like, it never felt like, oh, my God, this money's wasted. Like, did not care. Completely understood. Mm And I mean, also, like, come on, it was her fault. So, like, what could she do? Um, So, (laughs) we went to, like, I think we went and grabbed food and then went just to the room and, like, just sat down for a while and kind of took a beat. I, like, tried to, I started over, like, I buried myself under the bed for a while and then got up, reshowered and went back to the park later. And I also packed earplugs. And I I have a fidget ring, but I just literally left it at her house from the trip I just came back on, which I'm really sad about. But it's it's helpful for me where I just like spin it all day. So I have a lot of things that I have with me at all times. Like, yeah, yeah. Like just help me fidget and kind of just stay grounded and stay safe and kind of hide it. And that's why I love making my phone cases so much because yeah, there are a lot of things on there. Talk yeah, about it. oh yeah. Well, let's even talk about your yeah.
2: small business because yes. you are a yes, you're a flight attendant, but you have your passion business, which is mm-hmm. doing different types of resin molds. You have tons of little accessories. You've gifted our yep. whole family with a bunch of them. I don't know if the video will be shown, but like this is. Oh,
0: let I me put a sticker hair
2: hair on hair. it. But look at we've got it going, and it says hair. it actually ties in with the podcast because says I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm doing it anyway which is one of the first things i said in an early episode and uh, you made this for me and it's uh you've uh, you've made other things for Very other textured. people i know it is really textured it's fun anyways that's why you you are such a great creator and you've really i think what's so amazing about you is yes you're a black owned business often we learn as we learned in the last couple of years a lot of mm-hmm. black owned businesses often hid behind They're, uh, you know, they didn't really show their image. They presented as not being a black owned business. You are a queer black woman who is autistic and freaking doing the thing with this small business. I'm constantly inspired by you, but I'm also so curious about it. I'd love to know you've been growing it when we first, when you first opened it up, you were doing stamp mm-hmm. jewelry and now you really exploded
0: into this I've whole just world. Jumped into the world. Cause so I've always been things. a little accessory trinket gal, but yes. I always just seen the world really colorfully and just like abstract and it shows up, you know, like in my work and in yes, the cases. And I, yeah. And it's, it's also, I learned that it's always been a little secret grounding safe space for me. Like I go in there, I stamp it out. It's my little like quiet place. I, things have to go a certain way and that really works for my brain. And it's yep. why I love creating so much, but yeah, the resin that I brought in like the last year and a half, um, that is just expanding like crazy. But the, the my favorite, the phone cases and everything that has texture, I actually made those cases for the texture and for me to be able to, mess with it all day because I had fidget strips on my like basic cases before I was Mm -hmm. making them and I was yanking them off like I was just flicking with it all day but because everything's coated in layers of resin it's not going anywhere and so like with that I also needed something else to flicker with and in came the phone charms and someone actually sent me a really sweet picture of their son and he was like rubbing it on his face to calm down and it just melted my heart she told me I could share it so I've just been like trying to find the right words yeah, like I've been and you like really run.
2: personalize them though too, like the little yeah. the little accessories that are in the resin. Like you really pour yourself into it. But I've heard this a lot from small businesses in the last couple of years: is that the expectations on small businesses is to somehow be and behave and ship and respond like a large
0: corporation. Oh, I'd love to dive in on that one. What
2: are some of your experiences, and what what do you wish that people knew and understood when it came to shopping small business?
0: Everything everything but I've had so many and I am really good about boundaries to an extent on my shop I'll Mm -hmm. have you know regular check-ins I'll remind people it's just me it's not an excuse that doesn't mean that I get to you know like f around and slack off for time just because it's me but people have gotten so conditioned with big corporations that can ship things in a day or two and unless it's some if they're ordering something that's already made, not custom. Sure. That can go out. You know, like I made a ton of like, I have like a hundred titty necklaces that I hammered, you know, where is yours? We're going to get on that.
2: I know. I, you asked me that
0: today and I was like, where is it? We just organized this week too. I'm determined in the pink jewelry box. I don't know if you took it out of the pink jewelry box that it came in, but it's in that. Oh, you're right. That's okay. Then it's in my office Then we're good. It's, it's, okay, it's in
2: this room. We're with it. We have it. Perfect.
0: We're good. Perfect. And it's funny, you actually inspired me on that a couple years ago because when I was like first making you something stamped, you were like, you wanted something. Are you able to do boobs? And I was like, Yeah, oh, but I could look into it and figure it and out. You ha- and you yeah. made
2: me key rings that say, Where the fuck are my keys? And that's still <laughs> yeah. my key ring to this day. I and know it, I saw
0: one story where Lemmy was like playing with the diamond always, ring and I was like, Look, yes. it's toddler She's resistant. Still going. Yeah. 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 yeah but- no. Yeah, no, people are very conditioned to Amazon and even some, you know, Etsy shops that like mass produce things Mm because, you know, you see Etsy and and even though it's allegedly handmade, it's a lot of I mean, there are plenty of amazing small actual handmade businesses on there, but there are a lot of wholesale pre-manufactured, you know, churned out things that are going to people and like a lot of machines behind the, you know, behind the process. So I wish people were more patient with small businesses because not Mm -hmm. only, am I the doer? Like I'm the thinker, the executor, the planner, the cameraman, like thankfully not the tax person anymore. I've hired a tax guy, like, but you know, legal team, tax team, like there's so many things that are spinning through my brain about this all day. And the biggest thing that I also wish people understood is the pricing versus how passionate and how attention to detail I am, because with my autism, I am overly, like, I can't not Mm pay extreme attention, like make it a certain way. And if I, if someone's customizing something and they tell me what they like, or I know things about them, like I personalize it. And I've had people, not that I know personally, complain about prices of my phone cases, Mm -hmm. but they're the same people that I'll, I've had people DM me and question me about prices and I'll go to their page just out of curiosity to see like if they've ever taken a mirror selfie with their phone. And I'll see that they have, you know, that C brand of phone cases that are very expensive that people love. Yeah. That they'll happily pay 90 to 100 and, it's a machine making it like they click that customization and I don't charge nearly as much as it really should be because I buy really quality, expensive resin. Like it is so expensive. Yeah. It's very durable.
2: I literally dropped it in Disney and it's
0: fine. It doesn't even have a
2: mark on it, to be honest with you.
0: Yep. Literally like it's so durable and it's not it's a non-toxic one. It's very low fume. Like I work because I am mixing so much. I want low fume, low odor, like less mm-hmm. chemicals coming out. You know, of me, I still wear a respirator. But it's all these things that I put into it with this brand. I love buying from, and like so many people don't understand. Like, not only am I paying for these goods, a lot of it with being a black business, like cash flow is a lot different. You know, like yeah. just systemically with small business being a black yes, small smart. business, like business cash flow is a lot different for me out of the gate. So, you know, a lot of it is my own personal money. Like thankfully now I have like business debit and credit, but it's still, I was talking with a friend about this and I was like, my personal credit is through the roof. It's so great. My business Mm -hmm. credit is so tiny. It's not bad. I just don't have much of it. And I just feel like systemically, like I was not given that opportunity. So I'm like working it myself. So I also wish like people understood, like when I make things, not only is it time consuming, especially with resin, because that's just not a quick pour and done. Like I don't want bubbles. It takes a good, like hour of just mixing before I even get into like layer by layer and like people don't realize the cases take days you know like yeah. I pour a layer make the design it sits minimum 12 24 before I can go start adding more things like it is a deep process you're, and you're genuinely that, buying an art piece you're buying an art yeah, piece from I am. You. yeah and I love making the things so it hurts me like when I have customers who you know they'll rush me and I though I apologize I'm even nice and I might add in a little small resin gift again that I've made and they don't have to say anything but Usually it's just radio silence. Like I don't expect everyone to say things about it, but it's like I'm still a small business, and it it makes me sad because those same people I'll see them order from like huge corporations or brands and post about it all the time when that brand probably couldn't care less about them. Mm-hmm. Like not to be mean, mm-hmm. but you know it's this like 40 million follower brand. Like yes, they love that they have customers, but it's like they're they're well off. They're not paying attention to the person who's like tagging them. You know, especially that C brand of cases. Like they know people are gonna buy their cases. They're not yeah. worried about it. So you know, I've, you know, I've had a lot of that along the way. And I've had people that I just kind of don't talk to as much anymore, but, you know, have kind of been like, Hey, I would really love a case. I'm like, okay. Like you write about great things. I like what you talk about on your platform. I can happily make you a case and like put in a lot of gifts. We'll not post it. Maybe we'll do like a quick story, maybe barely tag it. And then I'll simply just be like, you know, what? I'll be patient. I'll just simply be like, Hey, like, can you just send a selfie with one of the pieces or just like yeah. in your everyday life? So people just know, like, you know, don't lie. Like I know it's quality stuff. So I'm like, I have good footing that if you at least just show it in your everyday life, people might take it more seriously. And it just bothers me because I know a lot, like as a black business, I have to work a lot harder than like white counterparts. And as a black creator, you know, Mm -hmm. especially when I see a lot of my work reproduced by non-black creators. you know, there's so much anti-blackness in the business that I see a lot of my work copied and I think I talked about this a little bit with you last time, that I even saw an Etsy shop, non-black creator, just pretty much snatched the same stuff that I made, wow. but just, you know, did it in this. And what I hate about, not all of it, but certain parts of Gen Z, how people like laugh and say it's trendy. It's actually like what black people culturally grew up as, like all these like catchphrases and like mannerisms and AA, you know, like that they use yeah. with our dialect. It's literally just who we are. So we're not like existing in a trend. Like mm-hmm. my art is not just a trend. It's like things that really come from my life and like what I know is the past. So- it bothers me that I'll see like these people like do trendy things online with the same work, sell it differently. And it's just, it it's, it's, it's such like a gut punch because they don't know they're taking so much from a black business. And it, yeah. more, it, it really frustrates me because you know, that heavy rise in 2020 of, you know, support black people showing up and it was just so much performative action that it has just like fallen off so much. And, you know, I'll still work hard and do what needs to be done, but it's just always wild to see the stark yeah. difference. Like, in my business and how people show up or they expect certain discounts or they expect things out of it. And I don't mind like doing sweet things, but it always like hurts me financially and emotionally. Yes. And just yes. overall, when I see people kind of like get things, you know, like over the gifted and they're like, Oh, cool. Here's like a quick, thing about it. And, you know, like never again, I'm like, God, mm-hmm. give me, a, give me something like show it in your real life. Just pretend that you mm-hmm, love it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, you know, because because it, it really also not only comes down to like the systemic issues around it, but it's also like I said earlier, it's just like the cash flow stuff with it, you know, like thankfully yeah. my business is doing well, but it's like a lot of it is coming out of, you know, my pocket because I don't want anything to be behind. I don't want things to go awry. Like I want my little business credit. But I'm so what even does it mean?
2: To- oh, sorry. Go ahead.
0: Oh, no, no, no. Ask the question.
2: I was going to say, tell me how it feels when you see a sale come through. Because I think that's... I love it. You know what? People need to understand... I used to have a small business years ago, and I sold on Etsy. And I think that's why I have a lot of empathy for small business. And because I, I was the same way I was back Mm -hmm. in the time it was bloggers and you were seeding product to them and the hope and a wish, and you're spending your own money to do it. And you're making, you're taking your own time to put things together in these sweet little packages. It was, it's a lot of like heart that goes into things. And it's also the reality that, you know, there's a lot of people that just don't know what that side might be like. It's why Mm -hmm. I always say my kids have to work in retail at some point in their lives in order to understand how to exist in a world where you are asking for help from anybody in retail or or a service industry. Absolutely. Tell me how it feels. Tell me what your reaction is when you see a sale come through and that impact that it has on
0: your life. I'm always excited when I get a sale. You know, I've had even on my slow months, thankfully, there's still some consistency, but Mm -hmm. every single order, like there's rarely a name that I don't remember to this day. You know, like people will reach out and like ask a question about something in their order and without even saying their order number I'm like oh yeah like I you have the you know x y and z with this and like so many people are always like it just it 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 falls kind of short on me because a lot of people DM me and they're like I can tell you put so much work and thought into it like they'll reach out to me and be like you you're just like one of the best like customer service kind Mm -hmm. of interactions that I've had and they'll say that and I love it it means a lot to me Mm -hmm. but I'll never see their order you know, like, and that's okay. Cause some people just are not social media savvy. So I appreciate when people say nice things, but I also wish that people would understand those words and impact. It would mean a lot if they even left a review, like, cause yeah. you know, put like the word out, but like the, I still get joy when I have orders to catch up on. Like, even if I'm overwhelmed and kind of swimming in them, I'm really still excited. It makes me feel really good. And I just, I don't know, no matter how many I get, I still, am just going to add that attention to detail into yeah. it. So th- like, there's a lot of highs and lows and even In my little notes, if I just kind of skip around, I even say in my notes, it's just a weird world. And I say, I often talk about it on my Instagram stories that Black creators and business owners do have to work, like I said, it's twice as hard, you know, as white peers or counterparts and other non-Black people. And I said, even though there is a struggle amongst minorities, universal anti-Blackness is a thing. And I said, it's hard because I see a lot of my work and creations copied and reproduced in other shops or by larger companies. Like, I don't know if you remember that story, but with like the like little pop grip things, I don't want to use the actual word, but those pop grip things, you know, the Disney ear specific ones I like for months before that you know Disney themselves like started uh teamed up with that you know bigger brand of like pop grips or whatever come over was actual pop song or whatever yeah um you know before they teamed up with it I it was literal like the resin glitter and you know whatnot that I saw and like people bought it like kind of hyped it up but then I would see, you know, like just look at other people who are buying the actual like, you know, pop socket because I don't make pop sockets. I just make pop grips. But the actual pop sockets from Disney and paying twice as much and like, you know, mass produce. And I was just like, God it just hurt, you know, like people. Of course, you, you'll you trust a bigger brand name. But at the same time, it it sometimes can just be, I don't know, a little frustrating because I also say like how I you know said like in the early pandemic days everyone was hollering like shop black small and I was like no one does that anymore I was like they occasionally will on MLK day Juneteenth like maybe a time or two during black history month but it falls short and I was like I even wish I wish I could tell you how many non-black creators like big names you know like that we might know like on Instagram like tag my shop like on those moments of like Juneteenth and black history month and women's month saying like oh, shop with her. I love her products. They're so great, but they've never ordered with me or they've gotten gifts and have never posted about it. And I'm just like, it's so, and it makes me so mad because it's like, you know, thanks for that, but it's so performative. And I'm like, you've not even actually put any of even $5 towards it, you know? So it's a lot of that, like that, I would say that's one of the lows because, you know, like I said, it's just a lot, but I even say like vulnerability in my business is hard because I have so much to talk about and create, but I don't really have the same luxury and privilege as non-black creators to put so much of myself out there. Like, you know, you know, I'm black and queer and autistic and like all these things, but I don't get to show much of the frustrations and sadness and irritation and all these things that pile up behind the scenes because I say one wrong thing and I'm just this angry business woman, you know, it's coming off. Like people aren't like, oh gosh, it's so hard. Like, how with the mom and dad dynamic moms are melting down. They're like, oh, you know, and then dad like does one thing with the kid needs a break. And they're like, man, good job on that. You know, so yeah. it, it's like that, you know, with racially. And it's just like I just really don't have that luxury. And it's it's just such a it's not that hard to explain, but it's it's just a lot to explain right now. And I'm gl- a lot gl- But I'm glad you're talking about it, though, because yeah.
2: I think that there's like this. And honestly, good reminder for me too. the direct impact we have on small business is it it is a bit of a responsibility is a sort of like something that you want to be a part of. Yes, we can't do it all, but we can do some and a little and a little goes a long way. And I think it's important that you are are able to express some of the frustrations that you felt because you are, like you said, you haven't been able to really do that. And without being invalidated about, you know, your character or anything like that, Mm -hmm. which is not the reality. You're just speaking truth on what it is to be a black small business owner and reckon and people aren't going to hear and recognize their impact on the change that needs to happen unless we hear those things too. So I'm so glad that you shared that part of it because yeah, I love hearing how much you love getting a sale, but I also I, think it's I important do. for us to make a
0: little noise too. Yeah. Yeah. It
2: makes a <laughs> little Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's also important for us to know the hardship side of it so we can recognize the impact of making a, a purchase or making or showing support, whether it's review or an online share, whatever that might be. Okay, you know what? I know what I want to hear because we told the story in the last one, but you actually had a a really weird meld of experiences that happened on one particular flight. I think Ooh, you know where I'm going with this. With Lily. Yes. With Lily Reinhart. Oh, you yes. and she ended up with one of your phone cases and kind of being like a tiny a picture friend of mine. Yeah, she took a little picture with it. She was somebody on your flight that tell just tell the dang story because it oh, is Marie. it is it happened at such a bizarre, but also not like very kismet time for it to happen. You were yes. going through a lot and Lily Reinhardt is lot. on your plane. Yeah. Tell shout out to her
0: though also, cause just the side note that she was my literal therapist on that flight too. Gave mm. some, some tough, good advice in the best way. But it was funny because like before she even boarded me and like some, I needed some of my crew members help to like Posed with some of my phone cases that I brought on the trip to, that could fit our work phone. so it was the same size as it. So I was like, perfect, in case their personal phones aren't that size. So we just, you know, some of them were taking pictures, and one of the gate agents like came down to tell us that we just had someone from like Netflix on our flight, and so for a second we were like, oh, like, like a okay, like I don't know what that means, but we were like, okay, sure. So we were like, you know, we'll happily just take care of them. Great flight, and so like she boards early, and it's just curious as to what we're doing, and I was like, don't judge us, we're you know. I need, you know, I need pictures for like my small business, and you know, thankfully she had a phone, you know, just kind of ask questions like, "What about it?" And I was like, "It's queer," and then she was like, "Well, you know, I'm queer." Like I forget what our joke was, but you know, it was like a joke, but flirt. I mean, to this day in my brain, it's a flirt, even though <laughs> we're. It was a confession of love, and she basically she told me how much because she loves me how much she would just love obviously to take the picture, but no, she um thankfully like had a phone that fit it and just was so sweet and like offered like to take all these pictures like of the case and, you know, like repost the tag and like, you know, and whatnot. So that helped a lot. And, you know, she ended up following me afterwards. And like, we've had, you know, little exchanges here and there, but it was a bizarre time because I had so much uncertainty in my life and confusion and things that just weren't feeling good. But that whole experience was just so validating, like one, not only another human being, like relating to and understanding and validating my feelings, but then to like give such positive feedback and understanding. And then like in the midst of it being like, you know, basically you could use a win, you know, and the yes. things that are going on. And, you know, I love what you're doing, you know, and this than the other. And actually now that I'm more open about the autism, she was also one of the few people that like knew about it very first thing. Cause I even like said early on, I was like, sorry, if I come off a little awkward and whatnot. And, you know, it was kind of like a explicit word here me too shut up we're good like not autistic but also I'm like I'm awkward weird so it just it was just really comfortable because I was very nervous and like unsure if that's something I even want to disclose because I'm like oh my goodness like I'll be an instant weirdo in their brain but was the complete opposite a nice seven-hour flight of just all of that and just getting to talk about my shop and like different struggles and whatnot so it felt like a validating win and just a very down-to-earth bizarre like you said, kismet experience. Like I, I, yeah, that's, that's my favorite. It was at the
2: beginning of the resin journey too. Right. So it was Mm -hmm. like early in your, in your resin making days to be, Mm -hmm. to have that sort of spotlight, like, yeah, that's all it could. It was like a, almost like, yeah, you're doing the right thing. You're going down the right path. This is what you're Mm -hmm. supposed to be doing right now. And it's, I know just, uh, from everything you went through last year, so many unknowns. And I i often speak from my own experience about just like when life is sort of off the tracks and it feels like you're pushing the train mm-hmm. down on off uh, the tracks. And then when it clicks into place, it's like just starts chugging along. And I see that for you. The, you. I mean, it's not without struggle. It's not without a whole lot of stuff going on, but to watch your life shift from, you know, a lot of heartache, a lot of unknowns, a lot of fear and into a lot more confidence. You are a lot more honest and you are now in a much better relationship, not only with yourself, but with another partner and in your business. I'm so, so elated for everything that you have gone through and continue to share. I think what I would love to see is like, even in a year from now, we get some sort of update from you and some sort of a checking in, here's where we are and down the path again, because like you said, you've been on this rise and you're in this singular moment, but I'm so excited to see where you go next. But I really want people to join in on that experience, whether it's wanting to understand and learn more about autism or the black or queer experience, small, you have so much that you have offered up to the world in terms of your story. And it's so beautiful it's never ending, but yeah. that's it, it life. Right. And I thank you for everything you share because you've really opened up my eyes to so many yeah. different things, even oh, when gosh, it's challenging PMDD. PMDD yeah. yeah. I got oh diagnosed. Gosh, yeah. I got diagnosed. So that, but yeah, like Big even that, if it, it it meant it means a lot to sort of like have those talks and experiences and learn about somebody else's experience, but also, mm-hmm. you know, so many different things. Anyways, where can everyone sort of whether they want to shop the shop, whether they want to just follow along and see what you're up to? where can they check you out and find out what you're doing?
0: All right. If they want to talk the talk and see a lot of the antics in my personal life and just the all of the tisms mm. and diagnoses in my life and the journey there, they can go to my personal page, which is Taylor X Patrick, literally my name with an X in the middle. And then if they want to shop the things and be colorful with me, they can go to shop Taylor X Patrick. And my website is also TaylorXPatrick.com. But yes, the Instagram, the fun one, that's my shop. And then I think my personal one is a little more fun at times than it. I'm a little more candid on there. I, yeah. I filter myself I like a lot on the both. shop one. <laughs>
2: I like them both. Well, thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing so much of your experience and everything you've learned, even in the last six months. It means a lot to hear. And for everyone listening, I'm going to have everything in the show notes for you as well. Please go check out Taylor, go check out her shop. If it's in you to make a purchase, maybe get that custom resin case. I can only say good things about it. Uh, so you'll see it in my Instagram stories as of right now, as I'm changing my phone over as we speak And uh, you're going to see a whole lot more from Taylor, I just know. So thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while. And you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great
1: day. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.
2: Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.